0: I'm Jacob Tackett, and I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering podcast. All right, so
1: Dylan, episode two. Here we are, episode two. What you been up to? What's been going on this last week or so? Well, I hate to break it to you and to anyone listening, but I have. Sort of a repetitious life uh, that's filled with much of the same things every single day, every single week. Uh, Between work and school, it's hard to shake up that routine. (laughs) So nothing exciting. We played tennis last night. That was fun. Nice. Uh, Longmont, if anyone from the city is listening, uh, please add more tennis courts. (laughs) Because we had to go to about four different places before we found one that was open. That's at, crazy. At Skyline High School. Wow. And that's kind of far from your house. Yeah, just a little bit. So it was. It
0: was yeah, fun. I kind of have the perk and the benefit of like in our housing subdivision. Like I walk out my front door and there's a tennis court. Right.
1: So yeah. Well, good for you. Nice. You're so fancy. I'm so fancy. My pinky's up right now. <sighs> Jeez. What about you, Jacob? What
0: you been up to? Yeah. So this last weekend, uh, my wife's birthday was on July 31st. Uh, So, we celebrated the weekend. We went up to Glenwood Springs. We'd never been there before. I love Glenwood. Um, It's pretty cool. Um, We did the hot springs at Iron Mountain, which was awesome. They were so nice. 16 pools ranging from 98 to 108 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we went to this place called Yampa Vapor Cave and Spa. So, you'd you'd walk down like 40 feet or so and be in the vapor caves that were 115 degrees, 100% humidity. We sweated quite a bit. It yeah. was awesome. Though. It was nice and detoxing, and then we got a massage. Only my second ever massage in my life, mm. um, but I love it.
1: I need a massage for sure. They are expensive. My gosh. They are expensive, but they're so worth it. It felt good. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I was
0: actually, over the past couple of days, I've been sore. Like, it hurts
1: yeah. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like they're pushing pretty hard on your body. Yes, they are. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys got away and celebrated Carol Ann's birthday. And she's and... 26. She's
0: getting old. Oh,
1: she's getting old. My wife turns 27 this year. Wow. Yeah. And I'll be 31 in a couple of weeks here. And I'll be 31 at the end of
0: the year. <laughs> oh, but I digress. So this week, Dylan, we're diving into a difficult topic. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> doing my research this week, I was having a difficult time. It's a hard subject. Yeah, so this week we're diving into a topic that we are calling cultural Christianity, and so we're going to chat about topics such as our presuppositions in life, um, and then in the lens of scripture, some eisegesis, some exegesis, those are your uh, seminary words for the week. And so maybe you're wondering, what is cultural Christianity? Well, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so like we said, yeah, this is a difficult uh, topic. So let's get into a little bit of a breakdown. It's a, this is a loaded topic, and there's a lot for us to really go through here. Uh, so we're going to kind of take these uh, some piece by piece. And so to begin, as always, I think we need and want to have this podcast and these topics to have a worldview and a lens through scripture. And as I was doing my research, I was putting together some scriptures that I thought would um, help us shape what it looks like to have um, a lens to understand cultural Christianity. And so uh, the two scriptures that I have in mind that I want to read is the first one, it's it's no new scripture we've all heard it if you even if you you aren't in the church and you're listening to this you've probably heard this pas- passage it's Romans chapter 12 verses verse 2 and it says this do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect now i have a love hate relationship with this verse i feel like um, in my naivety as a Christian, um, when I read this verse, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my life verse, um, because that's, in when I was coming up with the life verse, like, this is the verse that every Christian chose, and so I chose that, um, kind of uh, on face value, um, but when you start digging into Romans, <laughs> you kind of start realizing that that's a lot deeper than just having like good thoughts and thinking well about yourself and about people and about God. But it's much deeper than just this idea of having good thoughts. And so in part of my research, I picked up a book um, that I've read a couple of times in a couple of book studies um, by one of the leading theologians of our generation, N. T. Wright. Um brilliant guy. Dylan, you know who N.T. Wright is. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Um yeah, I'm sure you listen to him a lot, read a lot of his stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but he has these books out um called For Everyone. Um, but the main title is like for this one is Paul for Everyone, and this is um covering the book of Romans. And so what he does is he breaks down uh Romans um I wouldn't say like in layman's terms, but in terms that it helps us understand scripture in a normal context. And so I want to read a couple of things that I thought he broke down really well to help us understand what it means to have a renewal of our mind in the context of cultural Christianity. N.T. Wright says this, it begins in the glad self-offering of one's whole self to the God whose mercy has come all the way to meet us in our rebellion, sin, and death. Within that, it involves the renewal of the mind so that we are enabled both to think straight instead of the twisted thinking that the world would force upon us and to act accordingly. And when I read that, it was for me, it was just a kind of a, a kick in the teeth um, because I yeah. grew up um, at times having this false representation that God was just going to provide for me. Um, living in America in a world of abundance, it was like if I didn't have or if there was something that I wanted that I could just trust that God would provide it, whether it was something simple as food or something unrealistic of getting this $100,000 paying job. Well, if, if it's in God's will, he'll provide for me without me renewing my mind, renewing my thinking, and actually going out and trying to accomplish something. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I would say, like, so much of that is built into who we are as humans, right? That, that propensity to sort of make even our own faith what we want it to be. I mean, Adam and Eve, when the fall occurs, all it took was the one question from the serpent of, did God really say that? So we see, even in the beginning, that it's so easy for us as humans to try and take the place of God, and when we do that, we sort of shape our faith into what we want it to be. We try and shape God into who we want Him to be, and instead of being transformed, as Romans 12, 1-2 shows us, we are the ones trying to transform. We're trying to transform God into our way of thinking rather than allowing God to transform us into his way of thinking.
0: Yeah, and I think in this idea of renewing our mind and cultural Christianity, it, this one sentence from N.T. Wright sums it up really well. He says, The basis for this is not what the surrounding culture expects of us, but what God in his mercy has done mm. for us. And good. I think that's something I know I get mixed up all the time, is like lit, trying to live in the world but not of it and trying mm-hmm. to um, be approachable, but still remembering that I, I don't succumb to what culture tries to tell me that I have to be, sure. but it's what God has done for me that shapes who I am culturally.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the next verse that I want to read that um, I think speaks to this uh, with the help of my, my friend N.T. Wright is Colossians two eight, and it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, I I, I gotta say, like, at face value, like, to me, this doesn't really speak into cultural Christianity, uh, but as I was kind of digging into it a little bit and kind of seeing uh, some, some of the context uh, for what Paul is trying to say here, um, N.T. Wright really helped me out a lot. Um, he says, N.T. Wright says this in his book, Paul for Everyone, uh, The Prison Letters. It says, Paul then explains more particularly why, if you've already got Jesus the Messiah as your Lord, you don't need to be completed by any other system at all, and certainly not by a Judaism that refuses to acknowledge him. And so a little bit more of the backstory, like um, religious leaders were trying to get people to conform to how they lived their life, um, circumcision, eating rituals, things like that. And Paul's like, no, you don't have to conform to all of those things. Like, Jesus has already come, and He has um, completed all of these systems in us. Like, we don't need to continue to live by the old law. We just need to live by what, what
1: Jesus has commanded us to do. I thought it was really funny when I saw Colossians 2.8 that you had put down on our outline, because I just did a research paper, and Colossians was, was part of that. And so I I dug into kind of what Paul is saying and and who he's talking about. And beyond like the Jewish leaders, um, the Colossians were also facing a society that was really almost superstitious. They believed in a lot of spirits, good and bad spirits. Um, So this was a culture that was really concerned with appeasing the bad spirits, appealing to the good spirits so that they would be protected and would have a good life. So a lot of the Gentile Christians coming into the church and to the Colossians church were actually carrying that culture in with them. And Paul is trying to encourage them to stay steadfast in their belief and to not give themselves back over mm-hmm. into their old way of life, which he talks about in Colossians three, but to to, to take that new life in Christ and to realize Essentially, Christ is supreme, which he he actually lays out in the first chapter of Colossians to kind of, I think, just get to the matter of what's going on. There's these philosophies, there's these different cultural influences, and Paul is saying in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, like, Christ is supreme. Christ is the only thing you need, is the only guide, is the anchor to your life. So don't be led astray by what you had experienced before coming to Jesus and what you're hearing now. Um, because that creates what's called syncreticism, which I think is very applicable to cultural Christianity, the like melding of different belief systems to make like a new one. Um, so a lot of cultural Christianity, that's what ends up happening. Um, and the Colossians are a great example of that and, and what, what Paul is trying to help correct and something we can all, I think, hear today and would help us. Yeah, it's so good. And I think
0: we do that still today. I think that's something I am absolutely guilty of. And one of the questions um, that I think is good for us to ask when this comes up is, does it have Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, at its center and focus? If not, be aware. And I think that's a lens, um, not only is Paul trying to get the Colossians to understand, but also for us today is, um, as I think cultural Christianity, maybe even now more than ever, is more rampant. Um, in For America sure. alone, absolutely, um, that we have to look at the core of our beliefs and what people are telling us, what people are saying in culture, and say, is Jesus at the center of this? And if Jesus isn't at the center of this, we need to take some time to start asking why questions and um, understand what
1: is being fed to us or what we're feeding to others. Absolutely. I think it's especially for those who maybe grew up in the church, I I didn't. So when I came in, I I was quite questioning a lot of times about who, I had no idea who Jesus was. And I saw these different practices and the things that Christians did, and I was was kind of confused. I didn't understand it. Um, And some of it, as I asked questions, people thought, well, maybe that's just like that's just part of our culture and what we do. It's not necessarily a Jesus thing, but we've made it into a, what we think is yeah. a Jesus thing, right? And so I experienced that as a new believer in high school um, and am guilty of it too, absolutely. I have plenty of stories that come to my mind when I've turned my Christianity in, into a cultural um, sort of piece to my life rather than actually a guiding transforming of the mind as the Romans verse tells us again. Um, so it's, it's rampant, it's still around, and we're all guilty to some degree. Mm -hmm. So we're not just pointing fingers out here, we're, we're, we're in this together, everybody. We're in this boat of trying to figure uh, this out.
0: Nope, not gonna sing it.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on. I I don't want to pay,
0: like, a lot of money to have to get those rights. We
1: don't, we don't have that money. We ain't got
0: that kind of budget, y'all. Nope. We in ministry. Let's be real. (laughs) So, I love Google, and... I love technology, and so I googled cultural Christianity definition, and this is what pops up, Christianity that is influenced more by culture than by scripture, and when I read that definition, I automatically thought of the West, um, even more specifically targeted, the United States of America, and I feel like this idea of cultural Christianity is something that is made up uh, through an idea that Christianity is American, Um, I think that is something that we fall into, can fall into, um, that because I'm born in America, I'm Christian, and that, um, because I was born into a Christian nation, that I am a Christian, or that I do, because I do good things, I, I mow my grandma's lawn, I help fold the laundry, um, that, that I must be a Christian, um, and the other part of that also is that cultural Christianity is an American attempt to make Christianity more secularized. I, I know that's a blanket statement, but that's something I feel like I have experienced in my own life. Um, I think it is something that, like I said earlier, it's becoming more and more rampant that um, we try to make Christianity more what it's not than what it really is. And so, Kind of a question uh, that I want us to mull around a little bit, Dylan, is can culture and Christianity exist in the same circle? What, what can that look like? Because culture's not going anywhere. Like, I love culture. Like, I love the things, a lot of things about where we live. But where does that coexist with my Christianity?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question and a tough question. Uh, I would say there are plenty of things in our culture that are totally acceptable um, that you can engage with and enjoy that aren't undermining our faith. I mean there's there's so much of of the world that we can enjoy from going outdoors to doing all those things like those are pretty simple and harmless, right? I mean those are the things we enjoy. Um, I think the the danger is when we maybe, acquiesce or give up on certain parts of the faith because they aren't compatible with culture, or we um, or we want to maybe shape our faith to fit culture. And I think of, and we'll get more into this, but prosperity gospel is a perfect example of me of American culture and Christianity, and they don't go together, right? There's this strong thought within prosperity gospel, almost like the American dream, that if I ask, I will receive. I mean, Matthew seven, seven, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock at the door and it will be open to you. I mean, we stick a lot of times on that ask and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. Um and so we think, well, of course, I'm gonna ask for health and wealth and and expect God to give those to me, because God's a good God and he loves me. And those are that's true. God is a good God and God loves you. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you you do get prosperity. Um, it doesn't always mean that you have health. And there are plenty of faithful believers in, in our culture who, who suffer things. And so that's at odds, right? There, there's something else going on there. Um, but it's so easy for us to think, oh, I have money, I must be blessed. Um, and I would outright say that's, that's false. And that's culture trying to dictate Christianity, Um, but you can also use your money if you are well off, you can use your money to bless others, to love others. And that's more a way of using your faith in the culture and where they can coexist, where you can have a healthy relationship with money and with Christ. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of examples where it could easily be twisted and, and be dangerous to our faith. And there's times where instead, like we give those things to God and they actually benefit our culture, and our and our faith actually shapes our culture instead of our culture shaping our faith. So I think they can exist. Yeah, I think that's really good, because this
0: idea of culture and uh, Christianity existing in the same circle uh, reminds me of a section of Scripture in Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, we see um it's kind of this culmination of this period where Jesus was has been feeding the four thousand the five thousand, and then we come upon mark chapter seven, and we get this story of Jesus and his disciples being around some Pharisees eating food now, I love food, y'all a little tidbit about me, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday because I'm just trying to eat. All the turkey, all the stuffing, and <laughs> all, and I mean all of the canned cranberry sauce. Like, what I love it. I know people think I'm weird, but I love that gelatin I mean fine, cranberry but... sauce with turkey mm. and rolls. I'm anyhow, I digress. If y'all like Thanksgiving, hit me up. We can be friends. Um, but we see this um, little section of scripture where. Uh, Jesus and the disciples, they're eating food with their hands, and the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 hold up. Like, y'all know you are defiling rituals and traditions by eating food with unclean hands. Like, you can't do that. Um, And Jesus is basically like, no, you're holding on to human traditions. You're holding on to your culture, not holding on to what I am saying, what God is commanding you to do. You, these are your own traditions. These aren't God's traditions. And so, basically, what this was is this was a tradition of the elders that was passed down orally. It was it was an interpretation of what they thought they needed to do. It wasn't an actual command, but more of their own interpretation. Um, and I feel like they probably had good intentions. Dylan, we've talked about this a lot. I am a Pharisee sympathizer.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I sympathize often with them um, because I think, well, first off, there were Pharisees who actually heard and believed in Jesus. Absolutely. We don't talk about that very often. Nope. Um, but I think the Pharisees, I mean, I see in my own life a lot of propensity towards kind of the behaviors the Pharisees had sometimes, and totally guilty of that, especially working in a church and the religious leader like a Pharisee. It's easy for us to kind of create are new traditions or new rituals or new ways of seeing scripture and then adhering to that like like the like it's law like the Pharisees. So I yeah. sympathize because I'm totally, totally guilty oh, yeah. of doing that in my
0: own life. Because like even in this situation, like I feel bad for them because they have these traditions and they have interpreted scripture a specific way that under their idea of what A messiah was going to be what a messiah was going to tell how the the messiah was going to tell them to live and then all of a sudden this jesus guy's on the scenes like nope 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 and they're like their whole world's getting flipped upside down and so like i said they probably had good intentions they're just missing the mark just a little bit
1: that was a lot so there's like hopefully we helped uh we may be confused i don't know i mean i'm still confused a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: cultural Christianity is hard. It's 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 a hard topic to kind of just peg down, um, but I really feel like this is a um, general, brief like synopsis of kind of where we're going to head next. Um, so we've talked a little bit um, about cultural Christianity, what it is, some scriptural background, um, and how we can live with this tension between Culture and Christianity, because neither of them are inherently bad, but when we put them together, they can become twisted and skew our view of scripture and how God commanded us to live.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what
0: we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and take a break um, for the podcast on this because we have like another page to kind of go through. Oh, yeah. um, And we don't want to keep you guys. I know we're busy, so you're busy. Um, probably more busy probably more busy I mean and my coffee cup's kind of low so maybe I want to get another cup of coffee oh absolutely but yeah so that's where we're going to end uh, this week um, next week we're going to, to pick this back up we're going to talk a little bit more about some factors contributing to cultural Christianity um, and some ways that we can combat those factors that may be inherently or things that we don't understand or maybe not recognize are in our life So we'll leave you with that. And again, if you have anything, you know where to email us. Do they? Tell them.
1: Okay, I'll I'll tell you, I guess. You can contact us at the I'm Wondering Podcast at gmail.com. There it is. I'm Jacob. And I'm Dylan.
0: And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.